life. Life's pretty much a knife fight in a dirt floor bar. And if they get you down, you best get back up. To drive back the night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri, and I'm Ryan Mazzacco. This week, Ryan, we have quite the tale to tell. This week, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, this is episode twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Last call at the Broken Hammer. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, really, I hope the crew can wrap their minds around this week's problem. Yeah, I'm sure they'll do just fine. Yeah. Uh, really, this for this episode, it has a story that really separates friend from foe. Yeah? You see what I'm doing there? Y- you get it? Yeah, I, I saw it. C- can, can you skip to the trivia? Uh, uh, okay. All right. We'll just get right on into the trivia then. So for this week, we have a few things to consider. Some, some actors to... Uh, First of, all, first of all, to talk about, and then we've got uh, a few things about the show itself that we'll get to here. Quite a bit to discuss, Ryan. First of all, Inuka Okuma is the actress that uh, plays the character Sophia Wee, who actually ends up not being Sophia... Oh, no spoilers. No, no spoilers. Okay, all right. Uh, she appeared when she was about 14 years old, is her first acting credit, and she appeared in a 1990 episode of MacGyver, uh, a show <laughs> that you and I are both familiar mm-hmm. with. So, yeah, that is her first acting credit. And then since then, she has been active uh, in acting. She is currently on the television series Rookie Blue, playing the uh, character Tracy Nash. And she also has a writing credit for that episode as well. And then we have Rachel Hayward. And in this particular episode, she plays Corey. Mm -hmm. Now, this isn't the first time that we've seen Rachel Hayward. This actress was previously in the episode Fear and Loathing in the Milky Way as that wild-looking contact on the, uh, what was it, the casino drift mm-hmm. that uh, Trance and Harper go into Okay, to, to, to make contact with, uh, with her in place of Gerontix. Okay. Yeah. So she uh, has returned for the second season as Corey in this episode. And then we have another Fear and Loathing alum. And since we're still on your favorite episode, I figured you'd appreciate this. We have the return of another actor, John DeSantis, and he plays Seago. Okay. The very large gray conehead mm-hmm. with the messed up face. Okay. Yeah. So we see his return, and he will be back in the last episode of Andromeda, so we'll be giving him a shout out at least one more time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, finally we had Michelle Morand. She plays Jadis, the pregnant woman, mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the bar there, in the, the Broken Hammer. And what I thought was interesting about her is she's actually married to Gordon Michael Wolvett. Is she? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They were married in uh, January of 2000. And uh, in this episode, she is pregnant with their, their uh, according to IMDb, their only child. She is actually pregnant. She is actually pregnant in this episode with their child, huh. Rogan, who was born in July of 2001. Now, this episode aired, of course, in October of 2001, but, uh, of course, the filming had taken place, you know, before she actually gave birth. Hmm. So she was actually pregnant with their child at the time. Wow. So even though Gordon Michael Wolvett actually does not appear in this episode, <laughs> the family still collected a paycheck. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So I thought that was pretty neat. And then just some uh, just some production things to go over here. There is actually a new costume designer for season two. I didn't catch the name. I could not find the name of the the new costume designer for Andromeda. But you can already see the effect that this uh, new designer is having on the show. Because did you notice no chain mail on Tyr? I thought he did at the very beginning. Well, it might have been at the very beginning, but once okay. they're on the planet, it, it's it's a whole new outfit for Tyr. And so on on Keith Hamilton Cobb's blog, mm-hmm. he actually makes mention of the fact that n- no chainmail. <laughs> so you're <laughs> for saying for this particular episode? Yeah. Oh, just this episode? But... Yeah, for just this particular one. Okay, we'll see him in chainmail again. Okay, but they're starting to branch out. Okay, and that was one thing that the actor Keith Hamilton Cobb appreciated. Okay, because <laughs> apparently he didn't care much for the chainmail outfit. And then also Dylan looks good in his civvy threads too. Yeah, he looks halfway decent in it. So that's the effect of of new costume design. That's taking place on the show here in the second season. Uh, particular to the episode, Dylan makes the comment, Carthago Delinda Est, mm-hmm. which is, uh, in his words, old earth for total destruction, means mm-hmm. total destruction. Now, what's interesting is on the internet, there's a lot of uh, comments about, well, this is totally wrong. This was a mistake. Okay. But I think it's... I think that's out there because people are kind of taking it out of context. Dylan's not talking old earth as in old English or old, or not English, but old, old earth language. Right. He's not making a language reference. Basically. Mm-hmm. He's just referring to the fact that in Roman times that had a significant meaning. It meant totally destroy Carthage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and in fact, that, that is what that means. Carthago Delindra Est is Latin for Carthage must be destroyed. And okay. this was said by a Roman senator that was annoyed with Carthage's success in trade because it was hurting the Roman economy. Mm-hmm. And so he made this comment. And eventually Rome went on to destroy Carthage. So there's a little bit of history involved in being wrapped into this particular episode. Now, keeping with the Carthage-Rome um, theme, from Robert Hewitt Wolf's blog, he makes a comment about the Calderans, saying that they are a race of militaristic pack hunters and they were ancient enemies of the veteran empire and its successor, the, Con- the system's commonwealth. And his comment was, in a way, they were the Carthage to Tarn Vedra's Rome. Hmm. So we see that whole, that whole theme of Carthage, Rome, and enemies uh, mm-hmm. going at each other with this particular episode. And then one last thing I had uh, to mention. Before they land on the planet, Tyr is reading a book, mm-hmm. The Book of Five Rings, by Miyamoto Musashi of the 17th century. And so, and so what was interesting about, well, what I'll do is I'll just, I'll go ahead and, and read the comment here. Uh, it says, one of Japan's great samurai sword masters penned in decisive, unfaltering terms, this certain path to victory. And like Sun Tzu's The Art of War, it is applicable not only on the battlefield, but also in all forms of competition. Always observant, creating confusion, striking at vulnerabilities. These are some of the basic principles. Most important of all is Miyamoto's concept of rhythm, how all things are in harmony, and that by working with the rhythm of a situation, we can turn it to our advantage with little effort. This book is used as a tool by modern management and is filled with philosophy as well as actual martial doctrine. 
So I thought that was pretty interesting because that's all Tyr is doing throughout this entire episode, mm-hmm. creating confusion and trying to turn a hopeless situation into one to their advantage. Mm-hmm. I'm still not spoiling, am I? We're just about to get to it. Okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, so that was the book that he was reading, The Book of the Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. Mm-hmm. Seems like appropriate reading for a Nietzschean of Tyr's caliber. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what I've got for factoids. Okay. Ryan, why don't you lop this one off at the base and just go ahead and get right on into that summary. Oh, jeez. Are we done with this yet? Last call at the Broken Hammer. We open with Dylan, Becca, Tear, and Trance on the Maru as Dylan records a message, presumably for the rest left on the Andromeda, as they are heading to Benisaria to find and bring back Ortiz. Not enough exposition? Okay. Isabella Ortiz was a great leader and put together the only decent government in this region of space since the fall and would make a powerful advocate for a new commonwealth. If she's still alive, as Tyr points out, the Calderans wiped her alliance off the map. Calderans, you say? Just a little more exposition and then on to the plot. The Calderans are an alien race that was a former but reluctant member of the Commonwealth and has since been attacking anyone who tries to restore anything that resembles civilization. Trance drops a wrench on her tail. It hurt. That thing gets in the way a lot. Trance recommends going to Savorg's anvil rather than the way-too-predictable Benisara to find Ortiz. Dylan agrees, and they are on their way. A cutaway shot later, and they arrive to the desolate, war-torn planet. They go to what seems to be the only remaining settlement, and start where else but the local tavern. Just picture Mos Eisley with a lower budget and no cantina band. They try to make a good impression, but the pregnant lady drinking at the bar isn't impressed, and neither is Sophia, the bartender. She's not helping. She says that the girl they're looking for isn't Ortiz, but she's a doctor named Corey. Our crew makes more friends as Gorjon busts in the door and wants to know who parked their rust bucket without paying the landing fee. Becca gets upset, but just then, the woman they are looking for pops in the door behind Gorjon. Dylan says her name out loud, which doesn't set well with Gorjon, who draws his gun. Becca shoots first and gives him a non-fatal wound, but now the entire bar has their weapons aimed at the crew. After Corey confirms that he's fine, Sophia orders everyone to put their weapons away. Back in Corey's office slash exam room, Dylan presses the issue and Sophia tells Corey that she thinks she can trust him. So they tell him that Ortiz is dead and Corey took on her identity in order to keep supplies coming in. Dylan isn't exactly buying it yet and he pretty much has Corey pegged as Ortiz but tells them that they have to move quickly because they are only a few steps ahead of the Calderans and they should be here any... Oh, there they are. And the structure shakes. The explosions continue to grow louder and closer. Jadis, the pregnant woman from before, starts freaking out and starts to run outside closer to the Calderans, but Sophia convinces her and everyone else to stay put for now. This used to be a bunker and is the safest place they could be. Dylan starts to plan a defensive as he and Tyr head outside and use their high-guard toys to intercept the Calderan artillery. It should at least buy them some time. In the process, Dylan is wounded and starts to bleed his own blood. Tyr goes off on his own to take on the Calderans. Back inside the Broken Hammer, a lot is about to happen real quick, so bear with me. 
Dylan gives orders to set up a defense inside the bunker. A large beast of an alien named Seago suggested if the Calderans just want Ortiz and they should just give her to them and then they'll go. Trance gets in his face and he backs down. Jadis freaks out and runs for the door again. Shots rain in through the window and Gorjon is killed. Trance throws herself in front of a shot meant for Sophia and her tail is severed from her body. Whoa. What? 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 Her tail? No! You gotta be kidding me! It was so beautiful. We didn't even get to say goodbye. This is awful, Ethan. I can't go on. Come on, Matt. We've got a, we've got a show to do There's here. There's nothing you, left. I can't... You, let's just muscle through this. Okay. All right. all right, all right. You're right. I can do this. Yeah, Trance's tail is gone. And Trance is devastated. Dylan continues to set up a defense. Later, he goes to check on Trance. She's doing better and lit up as she has drank almost a whole bottle of what might be bottom shelf tequila. Dylan takes a moment to court the idea of restoring the Commonwealth to Ortiz slash Corey. She says it just seems too hard. Big explosions. Tyr blasts his way in and the Calderans are following him. Tyr tells Dylan that the Calderans are bringing in another ship and more artillery. Jadis, oh, not this girl again. Starts freaking out again, but Sophia gives her a gun and tells her to shoot anything scaly that comes through the door. They fend off this wave of Calderans, and as they retreat to regroup, Jadis shoots Ortiz slash Corey in the back, and she is killed. Trance wanders out a little groggy. Dylan has Trance take Jadis into the back room to calm her down. Sophia goes back to console Jadis, but Dylan interrupts and wants to talk to Sophia. Dylan's got it all figured out now. If they did give Corey's body to the Calderans, it wouldn't satisfy them anyway because Corey wasn't Ortiz. Sophia is. Plot twist. Back to the battle. As they prepare for the next wave of Calderans, Tyr suggests they just give them Corey's body. But Ortiz slash Sophia says that they'll know it's not really her. What? says Sego. You mean Corey wasn't the real Ortiz? She was just another diluted sap that took a bullet for you? He suggests it's time that she do her own bleeding now. He draws his weapon to kill her, but Dylan, Tyr, Becca, and I think maybe even Ethan fire on him first. They quickly deduce that he was a spy working for the Calderans and led him to her. They eventually do go ahead and give Corey's body to the Calderans just to buy some time to make more grenades and set up a kill zone. Time's up. The last wave of Calderans comes in. Everyone shoots. Lots of shooting for a long time. Shooting, shooting, more shooting, a stabbing, some more shooting, an explosion, and now all the Calderans are dead. Finally, Sophia calls herself Isabella Ortiz and agrees to meet with the Cinti Board of Directors to negotiate a new Commonwealth Constitution. They fly back to the Andromeda, and Ortiz is impressed, both with the ship and her crew. The end. Well, that was fun. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was. Um, <clears throat> we have something very serious to get to. Okay. We'll do that in just a second. Okay. Because I'm going to drop my one-liner in here first. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have a new shirt made. Okay. Dylan shot first. <laughs> it's no longer Han Solo. All right. No longer Han shot first. Uh-huh. Dylan shot first. Okay. <laughs> Poor Seagull. I was sure hoping that that little talk with Becca would turn him around, and then uh, no, hmm. no, he uh, he he was bad. 
But yeah. Uh, wow. Do we want to do this now or do we want to get it? What do we learn? Is this something to talk about later about our character? What's that? The tail. The mm. tail. You know what? I I got a lot of trance stuff. Okay. So we can just kind of Let's, include that in all of the trance stuff. Okay. Well, we'll come back okay. to it then. Put a pin in that. Okay. Well, being that it's laying on the floor, I guess you could. <laughs> <laughs> pin it to the wall. Yeah. Pin the tail on the strange alien that we don't know what she is. Yeah. And uh, let's move on to some other observations then. Yep. Um, Seago. Stupid bad guys always make the same stupid bad guy mistakes. Yes, they do. He sees this. He puts this together. Wait a minute. Although, did you see how long it took him to put that together? Yeah. In the yeah. background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? But she said the other lines, other lines, other lines, other other lines. <laughs> seconds. Wait a minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. He, yeah. He has all this time. He finally puts this together. And instead of just being like, wait a minute, that's Ortiz. Pull my gun out. Bam. Mission accomplished. He, what does he do? Monologues. He monologues. <laughs> that gives everyone else enough time to realize what he's doing what he is about to do and then everyone in the whole bar gets a shot at him if he'd been wearing a cape it would have been he would have just been the the ultimate villain exactly and if you don't get that watch the incredibles yeah. there's a whole thing about that <laughs> uh so yeah um my question too uh, concerning becca mm-hmm. is she wearing the future version of the talk to the hand shirt is that what? Is that what that was? Did you notice that shirt at all? <laughs> no, it just I has didn't. it just has a hand uh, right across the chest area. Okay, uh, being like a, like holding it up, like stop. It, it, if you get a chance, go uh-huh. back and look. Okay, it, one of the first scenes in the bar, it, it shows up very prominently. Okay, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a very unusual costume choice. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. I. Clothing isn't your thing. No, I don't ever. I mean, look you wear at clothes, but yeah, yeah, I definitely wear clothes. Okay, but yeah, I I don't know why that just stood out to me. Is is that's kind of an unusual shirt to wear on, especially when you're going on a diplomatic mission. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's very flashy. It's very. I'm not thinking it's three something you wear three thousand years in the future, but you know, well, uh, it, they're they're trying to fit in. Maybe that's what they wear down there. Maybe, Maybe that just came from glitter dust. Okay, all right. And, and that's the normal apparel for sure. some place like that. She still had that in the gift bag yeah. somewhere packed away back in the Maru. Yeah, she's like, probably got a belt is, buckle I didn't on that bring says anything. brat or something like that, yeah. too. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I, I didn't notice that because I don't pay attention usually to costumes. Um, the only reason I noticed Dylan and Tyr wearing different costumes was because, I mean... They they hit you over the head with it at right. the very beginning. Yeah. So we we don't see Rami or Harper or Rev Bim in this episode. Right. Uh, presumably they're all still on the Andromeda. Yeah. Maybe Rev Bim could possibly be somewhere out on a on a ministry run. Well, he's probably wrapping up his ministry out on whatever planet that was where he's you know converting yeah. by truckload. We don't know exactly, but they're not there. But we do know that at the very beginning, Dylan sends them a message. Yeah. And tells them that they're heading to Benisaria. And if... Uh, Wait, if, if South, Ameri- South America? No, no. Uh-uh. That's, that's Buenos Aires. Oh! 
Yeah. Okay. No, this is Benisaria. So that's what he tells him. We're going to Benisaria. If you need us, come there because that's where we are. They don't go there. No, they don't. <laughs> I want to know if he sent them an amended message. Hey, ignore that last <laughs> message because we're going to Svorog's Anvil instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Change of plans. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that there's no interaction from from the Andromeda whatsoever, right. apparently, for mm-hmm. the rest of the show. I, I can imagine that there's a lone panel on the newly redesigned command center mm-hmm. just sitting there flashing. You you have one message you're in your <laughs> inbox. They're in the other part of the ship, you know. <laughs> Rev Bim's eating salmon still mm-hmm. you know, or or not even there. Yeah. At Harper's tinkering, mm-hmm. and uh, Rami's, you know, recharging in the, the electronics closet. Right. Well, Rami's just like, the plot doesn't require that I do anything right now, so I don't, I don't see anything. I'm going to close down for a while. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of wondering, if what if they actually did go ahead and go to Benisaria? Are they just sitting there in orbit, waiting? Hailing the planet? Yeah. They should be up here any minute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then when they come out of slipstream, hey, wait, I thought you guys, they never tell us anything. (laughs) Yeah. So, at the moment where Trance loses her tail, at the same time that that's going on, there was a lot of action in that few seconds of of scene. The the friend, the bodyguard Mm -hmm. for Korra. Right, Gorjon. Yeah, he he gets shot. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Is it Koro or Cory? Cory. 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 The Cory kneels down to the body, leans over him, is like checking him over, and then she has this look. She looks up at the the bartender, mm-hmm. and is just like, "Is he?" And the bartender has the bartender <laughs> from across the room tells mm-hmm. her he's dead. Mm-hmm. He's he's dead. And I just thought, well, she's the doctor. <laughs> she should be able to tell, like right, right there, mm-hmm. he's gone. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't have to look to the bartender to let her know. Right. But uh, it, I, in my mind, I went to Star Trek. Okay. And I thought this is analogous to Kirk telling Bones, he's dead, Bones. He's dead. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It was just an odd kind of interaction I thought that they had. Mm-hmm. You know, she was the doctor. She could tell he was dead. Why did she have to look for confirmation? Yeah, maybe she didn't want to believe it. Maybe she really does rely on Ortiz to tell her everything. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What do you think, Ortiz? One or two aspirin? One or two bottles of tequila? Hey, I got a question. Okay. If you're in a high-stress situation, do you want to give a crazy woman a gun? No. Oh. Bad idea. You think so? Very bad idea. Considering she's a flight risk to begin with. <laughs> Then you're going to give her a weapon. Mm-hmm. She's obviously not making wise or, or good choices right. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Don't give her a pistol mm-hmm. or ga- Gauss cannon or, or or gun or whatever it mm-hmm. is. You know, a weapon, a of weapon. Any kind. Of, yeah, yeah. No sharp, pointy objects either. Right. Get her out of the clinic area mm-hmm. so she can't grab a scalpel. You know. Right. Just, you're right. It just seemed like a completely. Well, I mean it. It drove the plot forward. Yeah. But uh, 
in hindsight, perhaps not a wise choice. Maybe Ortiz should have taken yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's on me. <laughs> she tried to, and she got talked out of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah. Quite a bit of that's on her. Right. Yeah. So maybe this isn't your fault completely. That's what Dylan should have said. Right. Completely your fault. She's the one that technically pulled the trigger. Maybe next time, don't give the crazy woman a gun. Yeah. Just just for future reference. I'm thinking that's a wise play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you kind of have to wonder about her her mental state from the very beginning, because she's there for a prenatal exam. But she decided to stop off for a drink at the bar while she's there. And what was that she are, was drinking? Like fermented, fermented milk? Fermented mare's milk. Mare's milk. Are, are we to understand that the pregnant woman is drinking alcohol. We have a bottle right here. Mm-hmm. What's the Surgeon General's warning? Uh, I don't know. I've never read it. Hello, let me get it. <laughs> um, now, remember that this particular product is from Scotland. Uh, let's see. The very first one, according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy okay i'm thinking that this woman has got way more serious issues than first of all just getting pregnant Mm -hmm. um it can happen it can happen uh she needs more than just medical attention i think she needs some psychiatric help Mm -hmm. yeah and now she's killed somebody (laughs) pretty much doesn't get much worse than that does it no just keeps getting better yeah, I, I don't know. This is a bad character. Maybe hindsight is fifty-fifty shirts, but just I'm thinking maybe go ahead and let her run out there. Would that have been the worst thing? All right, now we're getting into some dark territory. All right, we've already kind of been in some dark territory, but you know what? I don't have an argument against it. Would that have been the worst thing? Letting her go? No, no. Uh, Ortiz slash Cora, mm-hmm. Corey. Why do I keep... Ortiz slash Corey would still be alive. Mm-hmm. And she was at the very least, one, a medical personnel. She mm-hmm. was medical personnel. Uh, two, stable. Mm-hmm. And, and good in a gunfight. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, perhaps it wouldn't have been the worst thing. The other thing I was looking at here in this episode is I think Tier would make an awful defensive player in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Because he has a tendency, we have seen over the course of two episodes now, to one, mm-hmm. leave he leaves his feet. Right. And he lunges head first. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's generally frowned upon now in the National Football League. Yeah. yeah. So, with, I, with today's rules. With today's rules, yeah. yeah. In mean, the 1970s, he would have been fantastic. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. So, so he goes fly. We now have... Uh, in. in in some of the reading that I've done from Keith Hamilton Cobb's blog that he was keeping around the time that he was filming the show, mm-hmm. he makes mention of the fact that he's starting to get a chance to do more stunts. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're calling those stunts. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, running, leaping, and flying through the air like that. It, okay. Mm-hmm. It's, if they can find a place for it. Yeah. They found a place for it in this episode. <laughs> Uh, and one one final thing I just have to mention. Okay. I really, I needed to see this, and mm-hmm. it didn't happen, and I'm so disappointed. More so in the tale, but this was disappointing as well. Uh, when Dylan is attacked 
by the Calderon behind the bar. Uh-huh. Okay. So they have that uh, little wrestling match going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, I wanted to see Dylan pick up a, a bottle and crack it over the head of the Calderon. That would have been great. That would have been so fantastic. Because what do you see in every Western bar fight? Either a chair gets broken or a bottle gets broken over someone's yeah. head. Yeah, and he, it was right there. Mm-hmm. It was right over his shoulder, and he missed a golden opportunity to crack the bottle over the Calderon's head. I bet Dylan wanted that one back. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. No doubt whatsoever. Probably after that fight was over, he was like, Oh! oh. You, how many opportunities do you get? Not very often. Not, not in this universe. No. All right, so that's all I've got for that. Let's move on to a little bit more serious discussion about what we've learned in this episode. Okay. Why don't you start us off, Ryan? Okay, this isn't really so much about the universe, but I thought it was a little bit too heavy, a little too serious of a discussion, possibly, to to put this in the earlier segment. But if you murder someone, then really, is it okay that you just raise your children better and you've paid your debt to society? You know, it's interesting. I didn't think this would be the first thing you would lead off with. Yeah. But I did not write this subject down because in my mind, as I'm watching the episode, I'm thinking, Ryan is going to bring this up. <laughs> so uh-huh. thank you okay. for not you know disappointing in uh-huh. that. Well, I aim to please. To the question, uh, I think this, was, this character was handled so badly. Yeah. I, I really did not like really anything they did with this character. One, she was annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, two, psychologically unstable. We've mm-hmm. already considered these things. Mm-hmm. She murders a person. Right. And then, yeah, the pep talk, the the, the silver lining mm-hmm. to this incredibly horrible cloud mm-hmm. that is hanging over this entire situation is, well, you have a chance to redeem yourself by raising your child. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Not redemption. Even the crew doesn't think that's redemption. It's a start. <laughs> it's it's so terrible. Mm-hmm. You murder someone and everyone is just like, well, civilization's not in place to really prosecute this to the nth degree. So I guess she just gets to raise the kid. Hope you do well. <laughs> Hope you don't ruin your child. And let's just roll on. Uh, I don't know. I got to think that there are at least two problems with this at least at least okay there's at least two that i'm going to hit let's go okay the first one is yeah there is there is no system in order to prosecute this woman in in, in this case okay so i mean does that mean that you just you just let her go there are no consequences that this this woman is going to have other than the her own psychological meltdown that she is no doubt going to have and probably cause even more problems. I, I don't know. I, I feel so badly for this child. Um so so th- there is no there is no jurisdiction, there's no law, so there's nothing that can be done with this woman. So instead you just let her go. And this brings me to the second part. This is an uncivilized basically like a like an old west cow town there's no yeah what what did they do back in those times if somebody killed someone on the street or even if someone was 
strongly suspected to have killed someone on the street, and the uh, the marshal or the town sheriff didn't get there in time, what did they do? Generally, there was mob action. They strung them up in That's the street. Right. <laughs> so... While I feel something needs to be done with this woman, I fear what is going to be done with this woman. <laughs> yes. And, and, I, and what occurs to me, too, is that this, this planet's broken. Mm-hmm. It's completely wrecked. Um, there's no support structure for this woman. Mm-hmm. So how is she going to raise the child? It's obviously run by a mining corporation, which really doesn't care about the people that are there to begin with. Right. I somehow don't believe that they're going to even look twice at a woman that's pregnant there and in need of, of medical attention and sustenance right. and covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And psychological care is definitely not covered. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, this, this to me, it, where we leave this woman at the end of this episode, she's a lost cause. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, so is her un- unborn child. Um, you, you said it best. You feel so bad for this child. Maybe not necessarily for the woman, mm-hmm. because she's done a horrible thing, and she's not really getting any kind of recourse. Right. It, no, nothing is going to come of that, except for what torture she puts herself through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the little child is going to suffer because of that. Right. I mean, if the child doesn't come out in the first place with horrible birth defects, because she is <laughs> drinking while pregnant. Yes. Do I need to read this again yeah. on this bottle? <laughs> No. Okay. No, I think we all understand the consequences <laughs> of that kind of action. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's well. It's, it's just bad. like it's and, like, and we're definitely going to come around to this before yeah. the show concludes. Too. It's, it's just like all the times when Captain Kirk totally changes the whole way a planet lives, and then says, "Well, see ya." Yeah. This is kind of what it reminds me of. Here, the Andromeda crew, Trance and Dylan, both talk to her, say, "Hey." That this was bad, but it happened. Now here's what you can do going forward. See ya. Yeah. And good luck with all that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's definitely tragic. Mm-hmm. They could have at least offered to bring Rev Ben back for some counseling. I mean, you know. All right, I'm done with her. Okay. So let's talk about uh, called errands. Okay. We, yeah. we we learn about Calderons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, attacking anyone, trying to reestablish civilized, organized society, government mm-hmm. of any kind. Uh, so they obviously have a beef with with Dylan right. and what he's trying to accomplish, and uh, of course with Ortiz mm-hmm. and her accomplishment with the uh, twenty or so systems that she got to start working together, and we saw how that turned out for him. Uh, they were reluctant members of the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. forced into the Commonwealth by the veterans. I'd like to have seen how that little <laughs> kerfuffle went. Um, and they looked like the abduction aliens that you see in documentaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> with the strange shoulder appendages, mm-hmm. of course, and the cool Ray-Bans. I was... <sighs> you stole it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, yeah, this is an interesting race. Mm-hmm. It was interesting while we were, I was watching the episode and my son was watching it with me. He, he he was asking, "Who are these? What are these Calderons? What are they doing? Attack, you know?" And then they started doing the screeching, mm-hmm. the screeching eel sound, right? <laughs> yeah. And my son was actually like, "Is that them? Is that what? Is that the noise they make?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it is." He's like, "Oh, 
gosh, these things are scary. These are awful. What? <laughs> then they start busting into the bar to the bar uh-huh. and they start slaughtering them. And he's like, they sound scary, but they're not scary at all. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So that was that was the called errands. And I uh, don't know if we get to see him again or not, but uh, you know, an interesting mm-hmm. race. Yeah, um, they're evidently some sort of uh, reptilian type of creature. Yeah, I, think, I think they did allude to that, didn't mm-hmm. they, at some point in the episode? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I thought there was an interesting moment. I wonder if they were trying to make some sort of a parallel um, from the Andromeda universe to our real world today, or if maybe this is just such a universal issue that it just made sense. Uh, toward the end, when Dylan is again trying to uh, to get Ortiz, the real Ortiz, Sophia, um, to, to, to join on with uh, trying to get the Commonwealth started, she she makes a point that there's she says there's just too many people invested in the status quo, too many people with money and weapons and power, and it, you know it, it just kind of kind of makes you think that I mean isn't this a problem everywhere, no matter where you go? There's there's so many people that want to rally together. And try to work toward the common good, but then there are also people who just happen to be in positions of power and um, influence that they have special interests. It's in their best interests for these things to not happen. And and I and I'm not picking on anything specifically, you know, whether whether it's political, commercial, whatever. What I think is interesting about it is this concept, this idea of the status quo. Mm-hmm. It it can exist where there is civilization, and it can exist where there is a breakdown, where there is anarchy, yeah, in in the lack of civilization. It can exist in both of those environments, mm-hmm. and when when people try to rise up and and fix things, it depending on which end of the spectrum they're at, it they have that same fight. There are those people in those niche positions that have that modicum of power just enough so that they feel threatened and can work and bully to try and keep things the same, keep people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, under their thumb, you know, and, and you know, in this case, the Calderans, yeah. you know, they feel threatened or, or it threatens whatever comfort or whatever lifestyle they have. So they here they fought against it and just completely decimated these twenty systems, and have broken down that system. Now we have the common the new the new Commonwealth coming up, and they're going to fight against it too. And sadly, they're they're successful at it. Mm-hmm. Now we we don't know ultimately what's going to happen with the Commonwealth, but here we have another enemy that that Dylan is having to face in this. But at least at least he's picked up an ally. You know, at least at the end, Ortiz does agree to mm-hmm. to work against the status quo. It's just it's sad that we see it in sci-fi, and it's a very strong foil for the good guys being able to accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because it can exist there and and makes a story interesting there, 
but we also see it in reality too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With like you said, without getting too deep into it, where where we see various problems, but. Right. And isn't that what sci-fi does, though? Yeah. So many, so it, much of the time. It does. It's, it points the finger at mm-hmm. those things that we see in reality. Without having to actually say it. Yep. Yeah. And it, and it did a very good job in this episode, I thought. Uh, just a, a quick thing that we learned about Becca, mm-hmm. I thought, in this episode. She very candid, candidly uh, reveals to Dylan that she does believe in his ideal. Because if yeah. she didn't, she wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, in her... Uh, way of putting it, it sucked being there. <laughs> this was not where she wanted to be, but she recognized that it was important. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, regardless of how this turns out, if it turns out badly, well, thanks for the adventure, is, is how she put it. But she believes in Dylan's ideal. She's mm-hmm. she's willing to put herself out there because she recognizes that it's, it's a worthwhile endeavor. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool for her as a character to just, just very quick... And really, she doesn't have that many lines in this episode. Mm-hmm. She's there on camera. She's shooting her, her weapon. But she doesn't have a whole lot of lines. Mm-hmm. This one was a really great one for as brief a moment as it was. Mm-hmm. I really like that. She she also had another moment with Sego. Yes, she did. We touched on Sego earlier. Uh, that was more just about the stupidity of the bad guy's monologue. But the, he also <laughs> had a really good moment. With yeah. Becca, when they were talking about uh, just all everything that Ortiz has done for him or to him, depending on how on your perspective he, he wants to look at that. Yeah. And you know, when I was first thinking about this, and then I was going back over it and thinking about it, I was thinking, you know, okay, well, that's all just part of the uh, part of the ruse, part of his his character uh, as the spy. You know, making up this whole backstory. Then the more I'm thinking about it, I think he was absolutely telling the truth. Yeah, when he was saying that, yes. and it took me it took me a couple of times to to figure that out. And you seem to have caught on to it, so now I feel pretty stupid. But yeah, I mean, he he talks about how he had he'd put so much faith in Ortiz, followed her anywhere she was going to go, and what did it get him? Well, devastation. His friends died. Everything is broken. His life is a mess. So, what does he do? Well, go team up with the Calderans. Turn her in. Yeah. I I feel like this was, one, for the character of Sego. I think this was a missed opportunity to bring a little bit of positivity into this universe and i understand that's not what this show is about well i actually it is it is it's about reestablishing the commonwealth and one man's fight to be able to do that Mm -hmm. and then the people that he's able to collect and gain momentum in causing this to happen this would have been a great i think a great episode if they had taken his character and allowed him to make that change to change his perspective at becca's you know Mm-hmm. Coaxing, okay, or, or 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 talking to him, I think that would have been great. And they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. They went for a few brief moments of action, and everyone in the room gunning him down. Right. I I feel like that was a missed opportunity, and I think it would have been a f- considering what the pregnant woman had done, and then now we're going to put Sego in in a body bag too. <laughs> besides. 
the others that have died, Corey and the others, I, I feel like that episode needed something else positive besides Ortiz stepping up to work on the new Commonwealth Constitution. And I think Sego would have been a great character to allow him to have that revelation and, and make a, a wise decision, a better decision, instead of monologuing and then getting himself shot. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen with Sego, but there was growth and there was revelation to Ortiz. I mean, she had pretty much all but abandoned this whole idea. And even when Dylan comes to her, I mean, if she's still flirting with this idea, then when Dylan comes down, she's going to be like, okay, let's talk. But pretty much up until the very, very end, she's just like, it's, it's, I've been through so much. I've seen too many. I've had to zip up too many body bags. I can't do this anymore until finally she does. Yeah, and and honestly, when it comes down to it, I'm really not seeing what she saw. Y- you know mm-hmm. what what did Dylan and the crew? All they did was fight off twelve dozen Calderon attackers. Yeah, and and talk positive. <laughs> yeah, to everyone around them. Well, I mean, it, it kind of didn't really work until Dylan. <laughs> basically kind of gave up on her and said, you know, okay, why did you guys do this? Well, because we thought that you were worth it. So you're saying they guilted her into coming on board. Well, maybe. I mean, yeah, okay. You know, or or maybe it was just maybe not as much guilt, just as much as she realized how much they thought of her and what they were willing to go through for her. And so maybe that gave her just that little bit of a boost of self-worth. And, and so, just kind so of the, the dozens of people that had surrounded her and her bar in that little town there to be with her and protect her, that didn't, that didn't mean anything? No, because none of them were Dylan Hunt. Point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Point, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. Okay. And and it and it makes sense, and it, for the episode, it makes sense. But on a broader scale, mm-hmm. it seems like it wasn't enough to work for the people around you. A, a, a few strangers come in from the outside and talk you up, and you realize your self worth. That kind of is deprecating to you to the people you've surrounded yourself with you know what i'm saying does that make sense yeah kind of i mean but then i'm looking at it too literally i'm not looking at it with a complete sci-fi uh viewpoint well i mean then at the same time i mean what means more to you when your mom tells you that you're really good at your job or when the district manager tells you that you're really good at your job no that's that is a very valid point Mm -hmm. no i i see what you're saying there yeah, I can't argue it too strongly. It's just uh, there's a little bit of me that would, if if I were one of her friends, and suddenly I see her responding to the stranger walking in saying, "Hey, we need you," uh, and she's just like, "Oh, you know, I've needed someone to tell me that I, I'm good at this," and I'm just, "Hey, I was willing to take a bullet for you." <laughs> you know, what am I, chopped liver here? Uh-huh. You know, I, I don't know. Somehow I, I I can't get around that viewpoint somehow. Yeah, but they were all bunkered down together. 
you know? I mean, they were just they yeah. were just hiding in this little hole in this settlement and just drinking riding beers and tequila. Just riding it out. Yeah. Yep. And uh, uh, they really had no reason for hope anymore. True. They were beaten. Yeah. They were beaten. Their hope was all gone. And on the starship Andromeda... Hope lives again. Right. So here comes Dylan Hunt riding that starship Andromeda and says, Hey, we got this big old ship, and we're going to reestablish the Commonwealth. You're crazy. Okay, well, check out what we can do with this little Calderon army that is is going to destroy all of you, your whole little town. Because they were, they were quite impressed that they were able to take out the mortars before they came in to the yeah. bunker. Yeah, right. So maybe that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. A little flashing lights and, you know, the Dylan pep talk. There you go. All right. Yeah. Sometimes it's all you need. Well, I'm ready to join the Commonwealth now myself, so okay. let's do that. <laughs> okay, so we've been, we've been dancing around this. Wasn't particularly a trance episode, but there's some trance. And there's some trance. A moment of silence for Trance's tale. Okay. Okay. I feel better now. I do too. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Would you like to talk about it? I would like to talk about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm here for you. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So we were really getting to know the tale. Yeah. We, we'd seen it a little bit here mm-hmm. and there in the, in the first season. I mean, it was even making its way into our summaries. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Totally blindsided by this. I know. Man. And now it's gone. And we all have to kind of accept, mourn, mm-hmm. and accept this. And, you know, the show must go on. But if it's itchy, then it's not really gone. Yeah. <laughs> My son looks at me and he says... Does she still have the tail? Is she growing another tail? Like, no, it's this whole thing about, you know, ghost feeling in the nerves and stuff. It's a whole, it's a whole medical science thing. Right. Right. So anyway, I guess, did you have, you didn't mention any of it in your trivia, but did you have any uh, information as to on the production side of things? Why they deleted the tail? Why they lost the tail? None. I found nothing. Okay. I'm just going off of memory here. Okay. So don't quote me on any of this, but I did uh, a while back ago, I looked up some stuff um, just on a lot of the different changes in trance, indicating there might be some more changes with trance, but I'm not sure yet. Really? Oh. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Interesting. Yeah. Um, They'll probably change her wardrobe too, maybe. Okay. Not too soon. No, I wouldn't think so. Let's do this like season three or four. I'm thinking so, probably, yeah. I mean, but... Um, it seems, it, it turns out that, you know, if you look at a lot of these shots with her tail, you know, it's just, uh, you may not know this, Ethan, it's a prosthetic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Startling. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of would just hang there. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they would do certain things to animate it, whether animatronics or CG. Yeah. Um. I think the last time we saw it in, in action mm-hmm. was CG. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but other than that, it really doesn't do much, other than just kind of get in the way. And it was very literally getting in the way. Ah. People were stepping on it. Um, it was hard for her to sit on. So, I mean, it, it really made things difficult from a production side. And Trance loved her tale. I loved the tale. How did you feel about the tale? I, I felt strongly toward the tale. Right. So, yeah, it's sad to see the tale go, but ultimately, it really didn't do anything. 
except a few times. And <laughs> the show didn't have big budget to work with. So, you know, we... There, You've saved a thousand or two dollars. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you say we we need to make some some cuts. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. So uh, yeah, let's start with the tail. All right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I good on you for for finding that. Yeah, and like I say, I mean, it was a long time ago when I read all of that. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I have a particular beef with Trance's portrayal in this episode. Okay. And maybe it's just I didn't – I must have missed something. Mm-hmm. I watched the episode a couple of times. Okay. Every time we've seen Trance drink, yeah, she does not get drunk. Mm-hmm. They even make an allusion to that at the be- toward the beginning of the episode when Becca and, and Trance are sitting at the table drinking in the broken hammer. Mm-hmm. And she makes the whole, you know, hollow leg comment mm-hmm. and Trance says, well, I know I can find one. You know, funny. You mm-hmm. know, interesting. Uh so, what was it that they gave her that made her drunk? And why did it make her drunk? <sighs> you know, it just, it all goes back to what is trance? What is she trying to get done? And what does she do to try to get those things done? I have, I ha- yeah, I'm the same way. I have it written down right here in my notes. It's a question. Does Trance really get drunk? Think about last week in Pitiless as the Sun when she was being held captive and she was being poisoned. Um, she had poison was just being pumped into her system. Yeah. And you could see her. She was getting very slow and groggy and... You know, she was on her way out until she wasn't anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she made her move. She was totally fine. Mm-hmm. She was playing the whole thing. Yes. So anytime Trance does anything, you kind of got to wonder, is this real or is she playing it? You know? So and- I guess in that context, it makes sense if she's playing. Because she was kind of set aside to manhandle or take care of or corral Jadis. And and now if she's out on the table, well, who's going to watch uh, the pregnant woman? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Give the pregnant woman, the crazy pregnant woman, a gun. And and now things have transpired. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're right. It's interesting. The moment the woman woman's body hits the floor, Corey's body hits the floor. Mm-hmm. There was a song about that, wasn't there? Beside the point. Uh, then Trance comes out of the... Yeah. Groggily walks out right. of the room. Hey, guys, what's going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is is that what you're saying? Is she was out so that things could transpire, so that eventually Ortiz would be put out there, the real identity? I don't know. I mean, ha- this this was the other thing that... How does Ortiz even survive this ordeal? She would have been one of the first ones taken out when the Calderon started firing in through the windows. Right there with Gorjon. It would have been Gorjon first, Ortiz second. Gone, gone. But what happens? Trance takes the bullet. Yeah. Right in the tail. So, you know, I mean, that kind of starts to get into a little bit of her seeing possible futures. 
maybe she he she saw this as one of the possible futures that if she goes ahead and jumps that she's going to lose her tail. And so then she had to make that decision, save Ortiz or keep my tail. All right, so I have another question then. Okay. At the moment where Dylan and Tyr are deciding who's going to go out and harass the, the mm-hmm. Calderans, uh, Dylan says he's going to, Tyr says, no way, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take my chances and do it. So Tyr runs off, Dylan goes back inside the bar mm-hmm. and tells him to seal the door shut. Yeah. Because uh, I wrote it down as a question to you, and, and now seems like the perfect time to ask it. What was Trance contemplating, or th- she had a faraway look in her eye when Dylan says Tyr is paying the Calderans a visit, and then he, you know, every, then they're all sealed inside the room, and Becca says something, you know, snarky about uh, Lucky Calderans or, or mm-hmm. something to that effect. Yeah. That whole time. Trance has a really far away look. At it. She, she's contemplating. She, she has a concerned look on her face. And then Becca looks at her and says, everything okay? And she kind of snaps out of it. She says, oh, I was just thinking. Was she, was she seeing how this was all going to unfold? Was she seeing the Calderon attack and her losing her tail and uh, fake Ortiz getting shot by the pregnant woman? It, was, that, was that her moment? I kind of I don't know I don't know if if she has specific moments like if and maybe that was a maybe that was a special moment but I I don't know if she just has these moments all the time it it or seemed if it's, it seemed like it was significant yeah and I really felt like I was missing the point okay. of the significance but what from what you're saying here mm-hmm. is maybe that's all it was she was just. Significant things were about to unfold mm-hmm. in this bar, yeah. in this place. And she was just zoned out, contemplating what all the different variables could could be. Yeah. It, does that sound reasonable? Yeah. No, I think, dare I say, I think you've probably hit it. You say that you missed it and you don't know what was going on, but I think you actually do. Um, that seems very reasonable. And... You know, Trance is going to have these moments. We don't know when or why or why she makes the decisions that she does. But it seems like generally it's because she knows something. And if she's got that look on her face, you know, maybe that's a moment where she's either seeing the things, the possibilities, or maybe she's just made a decision and she's not happy with the decision that she's had to make. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we we don't know exactly how these should we say visions of of the possible futures glimpses of yeah, yeah a something but we don't know if they are just instantaneous uh, or if they play out more in a real time. I don't think that doesn't seem logical that they would play out in a real time cuz you know, she'd be just she'd be lost for days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I think you're you're probably right. About your assessment of that. Um, there there was also a moment where Trance stands up to Seago. Yes. Okay. And I love that moment. Yeah. It was cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she's, she just gets right in his face and says, you know, obviously you're huge and I'm very small, which means I am totally crazy or extremely dangerous. 
I'm going to put my money on Dangerous. Yeah. But I just thought it was nice to see that side of Trance's character. It seems like so much in the past, anytime she's she's dealing with any sort of uh, dangerous confrontation, she usually plays her way out of it kind of cute and playfully, you know, and just kind of you just talks her way out of it. And, and I guess technically she does talk her way out of this one, too. But you kind of get the sense that she's ready to throw down. Yeah. Um, did you see the look on Dylan's face during that whole yes. interchange, too? Yeah. The camera makes a point of, of showing his face. Yeah. He he doesn't necessarily look surprised. Right. Um, I think, if anything, Dylan probably wants to see what she's really made of. Mm-hmm. He's probably thinking, go ahead, take a shot. <laughs> I want to see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Because she's got that tail... She can do some damage with that, too. Well, as we've already established from the end of the last episode, Dylan knows there's way more there than what meets the eye. Mm -hmm. But he trusts her. Mm -hmm. And he trusts her judgment in this particular situation as well. Mm -hmm. He knows she is not biting off more than she can chew Mm -hmm. in this particular instance when she goes toe-to-toe with Seago. So, yeah, that look on his face is, you're absolutely, you pegged it. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, I, I know I don't have to step in here. Right. I want to see what happens. I've seen her die and come back before. Exactly. <laughs> this is not, oh, you're going to kill her? Big deal. Let's move on to the quote. Lay it on us. All right. Life. Life's pretty much a knife fight in a dirt-floored bar. And if they get you down, you best get back up. Wait, you best get back up or you best get back up? You best get back up. Off the floor. Mm-hmm. Not call for backup. <laughs> I just want to make sure I got the context right here. Um, no, I was, I was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's get back up. Okay, uh-huh. okay. Get up off get the off floor. Get off the dirt floor. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, anyway, um, that's, that's lively. That's uncivilized. Let's talk about it. Well, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about. I mean, this is, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about a bar fight. Yeah. And, and and it's a microcosm of the greater struggle that's going on in the universe around us that, we, yeah. that we've been introduced to and that we've been watching. Right. Um, those that don't want to get up, those that cower from what life throws at them are going to make poor decisions and they're going to be left in a poor situation. As we've already talked about, we really fear for what's going to happen to the pregnant lady because mm-hmm. she, yeah, she's not getting back up from this mm-hmm. ultimately. Ortiz is down when we, when we are introduced to her, she is down uh, and she ultimately makes the decision to get back up again and get into the fight. In fact, she, she makes that illusion right there at the end. Glad to be back in the fight. And Dylan says, I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. Dylan's a person. More so than anybody has been knocked down hard. Yeah. And 300 years later, now he's getting back up on his feet. So if you make that decision, that's that's the best course to take in life. Make the decision to get back up. Because if you don't, you're not, it's, it's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for my answer, I'm just going to replay what you said. Um, you need to stop letting me go first on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, because... Uh, 
I yeah, I had a couple of points that I was going to make about that, and I mean, you hit them exactly how I was thinking. The especially the point about Ortiz. Yeah, she got knocked down, and so now this is the part where she she best get back up, and she best get back up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> both yeah. contexts. It works both yeah. ways. Yeah. So now she's got back up, and she got back up. Good honor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> once again, I'm going to let you go first. Final thoughts. <laughs> All right. Uh, final thoughts on this episode. You know, as I watched it, and as we were coming up to this episode, I re- mm-hmm. I remember this from my first kind of watch through. Yeah. Before we decided to actually start doing this show. Mm-hmm. I had gotten that far enough along, and in, in fact, a few episodes beyond. And now, coming back to it, it, as we were approaching it, I was like, when, when is the bar fight episode? The bar episode. <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the first things I thought of uh, when I've watched it the first time, is I really wanted to see a bottle cracked over someone's head. Mm-hmm. Oh, so disappointing. That was a missed opportunity. It wasn't in the budget. It wasn't in the budget. Yeah. Uh, the pregnant woman. That was... A travesty. And ultimately, it's it's unsettling, the fact that they didn't do anything to fix that situation, to make that situation better. It was like, slap a Band-Aid on it and send it back out to pasture. You mm-hmm. know, it's... We know in society today, nothing like that would... It wouldn't be handled that way at all. You, you couldn't consider it. I mean, people in the penal system, if they're pregnant, going into the penal system, they, their children get taken away. There's reasons why that happens. <laughs> uh, it's to give the child the best possible outcome for their life. And in this case, you know, you know that it, that's going to be a rough road. And that's that's kind of hard to watch. The second time I watched it, that's all all of that started to sink in for me. And I feel like that plays very heavily into my impression of the episode. You're right. This is a, even though trance isn't centric to this story, it, it is kind of a big trance episode. And we, we get a lot of setups for some future events. And so it's important for that. It's important for the Commonwealth because of Ortiz now coming on board to help negotiate this constitution. So there's a lot of good things happening. But there's a lot of bad and a lot of negative things happening. And for me, this is just kind of one of those – ultimately, it's one of those middle-of-the-road episodes. I liked it for what it does for the universe. But as far as specific storylines and, dare I say, moral outcomes – there's a lot of flaws in this episode. So I find myself kind of on the fence with this one. Okay. I, I both, I, I liked it for some things and I, I kind of dislike it, uh, for, for some of the other things that it touches on. This is kind of a very mixed episode for me. Okay. You know, I think a lot of the things that you've touched on, things that you don't like, you know, you mentioned about the uh, the pregnant woman, um, about her being about the way they her treatment, the treatment of her being a travesty. Sometimes people are just a travesty. I mean, look around. You know, go go to Walmart. 
Oh, I understand totally what you're yeah, talking about and now. That yeah. is not specifically an, an indictment on Walmart. I'm just saying the people in there. You know, um, some people just make terribly bad choices. And I think we had two characters in this story that were just so incredibly flawed as characters, as people. And and not necessarily that the writing of them was flawed, but just that the character were, the characters were flawed. You know, these are people that are just so bad off, there's no fixing them. And sometimes people just can't be fixed. Um, and, I, you know, maybe it's because they won't allow themselves to be fixed. Seago definitely had the opportunity. He could have been fixed. Um, if Jaden had just stopped freaking out, you know, it probably didn't help that, um, she was probably drunk. Again, broken character. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, we don't know the situation of her pregnancy, whether it was a wanted or an unwanted pregnancy. Maybe there's something more going on in her life. Um, we don't know why she's in the situation that she's in, but she's in it. She could have made better choices. She didn't. And, and now she's a broken human being. And sometimes as sad as it is, sometimes human beings just get broken. And, you know, if they can't fix it themselves, then they're broken beyond repair. No one can force them to fix themselves. So, I mean, th- I, I think just because you have broken or flawed characters doesn't necessarily a bad episode make. And then, of course, there was all the trance stuff. And like you said, there was very little trance, but what little trance there was, there was a lot of it. Of and, course, and now there's, a, now there's a little less of trance. Yeah, there's a little less of her to know. Yeah, unless we have to figure out. So, yeah, so we get some trance stuff. And then looking forward, what what is this going to mean for the Commonwealth? Now they have someone who is broken in Ortiz as far as um, her leadership abilities, but she has been there. She has been able to, to govern a civilized society and bring systems of worlds together and ally themselves. And... There was a huge bar fight. I liked I liked Becca's comment at the end. What would she say? Forget reinforcements. Call, call room service or call the cleaning crew. Call <laughs> yeah, the cleaning yeah, crew. Yeah. That's what it was. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I would necessarily be as on the fence for this episode as you were. Um, this is one of those episodes that is very memorable. And I found this episode to be memorable for good reasons. And in, when you get into some of these other things, you, yeah, they're kind of our problems. And and I kind of gave them – I did. I gave them passes uh, for the reasons that I explained. But, yeah, it, you, it could very well make the argument that these were problems with this episode. Um, but I don't think that they – take away from the overall memory of the episode and and again when i was watching this show in its first run this would have been what'd you say october of 2001 yep okay i saw it 
I saw it that night when it was aired in my town. I remembered it. I remember the bar episode. And there's not many more coming up that I can say that about because... Yeah, you're ending your kind of your your initial run with the show, aren't you? Yeah, and maybe it's a nostalgia thing. But, you know, nostalgia just isn't what it used to be. So, <laughs> um, But that's where I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say I like this episode. I enjoy it. It's kind of one of those that I think... I could definitely enjoy watching again and uh, maybe even one you could sit somebody down and say, Hey, watch this episode of Andromeda. Even though we don't get the whole crew. I, I miss the other half of the cast. I, I was about to say we've gone now, what, two, three episodes, three episodes, I believe now where we haven't dealt with Harper's situation. Yeah. And, and yeah. I wouldn't bring the, has he been cured? <laughs> no, he's not talking about it when we see him. Yeah. He's not trying to kill himself. No. I, I, is he okay? Yeah, and you know what? I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't I know, we're going to come back we're, to it. No, we're, we're definitely getting off topic here, and that's okay, because this is kind of one of those things that you listen to the playback, and you're like, why didn't we talk about that? Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, in both A Heart for Falsehood Framed and in Pitiless as a Son, not as much in Pitiless as a Son, because Harper wasn't really involved in Not that much, episode. Right. He, he was there. Yeah. But it wasn't. But Heart for Falsehood framed. He's functioning. He's totally fine. Yeah. He's 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 the old Harper. Yeah. He's he's involved in this big heist. You know. He you don't ever even see him doing like any wincing or like oh it's, no it's just the <laughs> magog larva I'm fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you almost you know, in this episode you almost want to hear some sort of response maybe from Rami saying yeah Rev's away still mm-hmm. we're waiting for him to show up and I've still got Harper on suicide watch <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. give us something yeah. let us know there are other things still in play uh-huh. going on here but yeah. you know we just have to assume that it's still out there to be. To be continued, to be right. resolved eventually. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if we can we can fault this episode because of that. Right. No, it, it, it I'm not saying I'm. It would have been that, nice but. to have a little bit of uh, insight as to what's going on with some of our other favorite characters, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they're not always in every episode, I guess. Right. And and I'm sure that. I feel fairly confident we're going to deal with Harper's situation. Okay. With the Magog larvae. What so, about Rev? Are we going to deal with Rev's situation too? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's just... He's busy. He's showing up late for work or not at all. Yeah. You know, I'd fire him. Yeah. If he was my employee. Yeah, probably. But that's enough, Ethan. we got to go. Let's uh, let's do some contact information. Uh, if you want to send us an email, you can get in touch with us at drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on the social media, Facebook and Twitter, using the handle at AndromedaPod in both of those places. We're on Podbean. That's our home, www.andromedaseries.podbean.com. We can also be found on iTunes, and if you listen to us there, please subscribe. Give us some uh, stars. We like stars. And give us a review as well. We'd certainly appreciate it. In addition, we can be found at uh, poddirectory.com as well. And once again, big thanks to our good friend Tim Kimmerly for giving us the quote this week. We are an Age of Geek production, www.ageofgeek.com. And we invite you to join us here again next week as we look at the episode 
all too human. 